Welcome to the Consortium Podcast, an academic audio blog of Kepler Education. Kepler is a consortium of independent classical Christian teachers unified by a shared vision for student flourishing. Hello, I'm Scott Postma, your host, and I'm joined by Joffrey Swade, our academic advisor, our co-host today. Joffrey, we're going to talk about students taking responsibility for their education. I'm looking forward to that. Life is better when students take responsibility for their education. Isn't that so? <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're, we, we've got a few things in mind. Um, we thought about titling this, uh, No One's Coming, mm. and uh, we'll tell a little story behind some of that. But the idea here is that in education... Um, students have to take responsibility for their education. Otherwise, um, it does produce, well, not, not just even in the long run, uh, but even in the short term, it produces sort of an entitled, uh, you know, mentality. So we wanted to address that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about is, you know, the, the general generational aspect of this, Uh, the idea for this episode came from a conversation um, in, in which we were talking about certain student behaviors and, uh, and then talking about how that translates into life. And then one of the things you said is, you know, I just, I see that more with this generation. So, I mean, to a, to a great degree, this is the episode to have, uh, have your teenagers, uh, listen. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll shout out the Harris family cause I know that Grace is probably listening right now. That's a, it's a mother daughter, uh, podcast listening session they have every week oh fabulous well <laughs> hello grace and hello grace's mom <laughs> uh, fabulous well i i have a, a little bit of a humorous story um and i'm going to kind of tell on my son a little bit you know, probably because he won't you know ever be listening to this. <laughs> uh, but it was one of those learning moments you know and so right after my son had gotten his driver's license um you know, we live where there's lots of ice and snow and, and, you know, he was, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just driving, but he had a, a patch of ice and, and the car kind of slid yeah. and kept sliding toward the ditch. And eventually he, you know, he couldn't stop it. And it, uh, bumped into a parked car, no serious damage of any kind. But, um, anyway, he had a, the front, um, on his car, the front blinker was broken. And so, you know, he said, well, what do I do? <laughs> I said, well, you got to replace it. Uh, you, you know, and so kind of walk through how you, you know, you need to get your make and model and go to the auto parts store and order this thing. And so, you know, one of the, the thought process that he was having was, um, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I was there trying to kind of walk him through it and help him, but at the same time, wanting him to really own the responsibility for, you know, I got to fix this. Right. Uh, and that was everything from, you know, going through the insurance process and all the stuff that you have to do there. So I happened to be watching out the window after he got back and he was trying to plug it in, but one of the little fasteners was broken. So it didn't stay. And mm-hmm. I just watched him pull the light out and throw it in the back seat. And he was going to go about his business. Yeah. Like, you know, Oh, well, it doesn't work. That sounds like something I would have done in my youth. Uh, but you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not adulting. No. <laughs> and, and I think that's one of, you know, you, you say this something you, you see a little more, and it's hard when you're being subjective and anecdotal because, you know, how much of this has to do with how you were raised in right. a rural setting and what your parents were like, et cetera. Um, but, but I do think it is a bit more of a phenomenon. And we see that in all the, you know, the memes that have been going on for 15 years now, you know, based on the idea that adulting is hard. Right. 
Right. And, you know, and, and that's, that's why this episode is entitled nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. right. And <laughs> because, you know, what, what adulting is, is, is actually just doing the thing. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it seems easy in retrospect, but the first time you have to deal with insurance companies and go to O'Reilly's, it is, you know, it's not all just natural and makes sense, but there's a certain attitude where you can figure these things out. Right. And if people are offering help, then you can use those helps, but it's still this attitude or you, you take responsibility and you know that you can do it. And if you have this idea of no one, no one, no one is going to help you, then any help you receive is a boon and a blessing, but you're not dependent upon it. Yes. Well, and in his case, you know, the, the funny part was when I asked him about it, like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, he's just said, well, the fasteners broke. It doesn't work. So uh, that's it. And I'm yeah. like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not it. You know? And, and that was the conversation. No one's coming. So you have to own it. Now that doesn't mean you have to do it by yourself. There, right. There's certainly, you know, help there's resources, but you have to take responsibility yeah. for accessing those resources <laughs> or asking for help. And actually that's a really, I mean, this is a bit of an aside, but that's a, a great point that, that you don't have to necessarily do it yourself, but you are responsible right. and respond to make it happen. Cause I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, most of, most of how I get things done is by asking people to do it for me. <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's just, just, I, mean, I, 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 the way the, what I work best with is people. Sure. Right. And you know, and sometimes I, you know, I sit down and do the thing myself. Um, but when I'm working on big projects and I want, you know, big things to be done and, and I have ambitious things that I'm hoping will be accomplished, then, you know, I know that other people would be able to accomplish those things in different ways. Right. But my way is always, who do I know? <laughs> right. Who do I know who knows this thing and who knows that other thing? And, and I try to bring that all together, but no one's going to make the thing happen if I don't. Exactly. So even through a division of labor and somebody who may be more apt at, a, you know, I don't know, a computer program or something that then, then we might be resourcing that or, or, or uh, delegating that to somebody else. There's nothing wrong with that, but you just, you're not yeah. going to sit and leave it there and go, well, I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> yeah, people will read your pages for you, but no one's going to write the novel. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, so Kepler, we work uh, with uh, grade seven through 12. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, you know, so we've been talking about adulting and you know, grade seven through twelve, seven through twelve. That's a, that's an, a nascent adult. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, and, and so it this this is the time when you know we we have been talking so much in this podcast about parents taking dominion, mm -hmm. knowing that they're the ones who are who are responsible. Right. Yeah. It's not it's not the government. Uh, it's not the teachers even. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, the teachers are responsible to do a good job and to teach well. But ultimately, like if. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's, it's the family, yeah. right? That that's you know, the, the choices you guys make and the work you guys put in. And this is where it also becomes about the student, the student right? taking responsibility. Exactly. Right? And then, you know, it's like, you, you can say, well, I'd rather study Russian than, than Latin. Uh, but really what matters is whether you take Russian or Latin, like if your parents indulge you in your choice and you get to take Russian or they say, no, no, Latin's important. You're going to take Latin either way. Are you going to take responsibility for putting in the best performance you can and learning as much as you can? Yeah. Effort is up to the student. You, you know, nobody can actually make that happen. Yeah. Socrates has a funny line that, you know, the, the kids education has to be beaten into kids. <laughs> that was the old Greek way. Uh, I'm not sure how you know, that's so that hard way. to do on an online platform. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well, but, you know, so you, know, so you use you use the verb to beat, and uh, we were talking about effort, and that reminds me of a story. You know, you know hey, adulting is hard, yeah. and uh, I had an epiphany about work uh, when I was in my thirties, man. 
way, way too late to be having this epiphany, but that's, that's what it gave to me. Um, uh, and it's, you know, so my family background, uh, you know, you know, the, the book surprised by joy by CS Lewis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The part of that, that resonated the most for me, uh, was Lewis describing, you know, this big old house. I think it was a summer, summer house maybe, and all the books in it. And he just, you know, was set loose. You know, and, and my family was very much like that. That's, mm-hmm. that's, it really resonated with me. And, and I, I lived a very bookish and, and intellectual life as a child. And my parents were that, that way as well. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a family culture that was very cerebral. Mm-hmm. We'll put it that way. I wasn't necessarily a good student, but everything was very <laughs> cerebral. And, uh, you know, I'm a big, strong guy. And I remember, you know, it, it, this is just an aside, but, it, I had to move heaven and earth to play sports, you know, mm. not because my parents were against sports. It just wasn't a thing. Like right, it hadn't right. even, you know, why would anyone, you know, this is not. And then of course, by the time my sister who's six years younger came around, it's like, you know, club volleyball, you know, every the, week it was and travel norm. teams. And, yeah. <laughs> but I had to forge that path and it was difficult, uh, particularly being, uh, being homeschooled. Um, but, you know, homeschooled in the nineties, but at a certain point, my mom said to me, um, you know, trying to correct some behavior of mine. And you know, she said that, you know, brute strength doesn't, doesn't solve everything. Right. Um, which, you know, I, <laughs> as I've gotten older, uh, that's become less and less true. <laughs> I think, uh, I think brute strength solves a lot of, a lot of things in the various ways it manifests itself. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have, you know, brute strength of the mind. And anyway, um, I, w- I worked uh, as I was working as an independent teacher. I've worked as an independent teacher for years, uh, but you know, I've occasionally moonlighted as well. And I, um, I worked uh, at a friend's construction company, uh, concrete foundations and concrete walls and everything, you know, very precisely measured and all these, these big panels, and smaller panels and, and fillers, everything would fit in together like a puzzle. And you build this beautiful puzzle and then pour concrete into, into it. it. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I had always had this attitude through my twenties. I had this attitude that if there wasn't an elegant solution, like if, you know, I couldn't, if, if it couldn't be figured out before work started, there was no solution. Mm. Right. And that was how yeah. I approached work. I would figure everything out and then I would do the thing. And what, you, mm-hmm. and I want to interrupt you. I yeah. mean, but, but that isn't that, that young person often has that sort of ideal sort of approach yes. even to their, their schoolwork and things. So yeah, please continue. I don't mean to get you, but, well, but no, that really makes you're really absolutely right. And I think that, you know, the, the, the fact that me having the upbringing I had had, I was particularly, I think, subject to that, you know, mm-hmm. the possible, the possibility of thinking that way. And I remember working with a, at this concrete company and we had one particular day where a piece that should have fit, everything had been measured out, didn't fit. And, uh, and any of the, various solutions we might've had didn't work. And so my friend just an old school, new England, blue collar kind of guy just started beating on this thing with a steel hammer (laughs) and he beat on it it. and he beat on it and he beat on it. And with no effort to go, you know, like it didn't like it, the geometry didn't work out. And then I took my turn beating on it and beating on it and beating on it. And none of it made sense. But at this time I had, I had grown to trust him because I had just seen how he worked. And then after a long time of just beating at this thing, the two of us suddenly it fit and, <laughs> and, and I, I didn't really under, I couldn't understand why it had worked, but you know, it just, it just, he had insisted and insisted and he had you know, warped reality around him with his work <laughs> ethic. And that was a really enlightening moment for me. And it changed how I, how I approached work. I became, you know, even like maintaining my own house, mm. you know, just you know, all the work that I have to do in my life 
changed because that experience, but particularly at that moment when I realized I can just start this thing. I I can't see how to figure it out. I don't know all the things I need to know. I can just start and I'm going to get it done. And so, so he had sort of the mindset that a solution may not be very elegant, <laughs> you know, beating right, with a right, hammer, exactly. <laughs> but, but there had to be a solution because not having a solution isn't an option. Yeah. And the solution might be just brute work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I would, I, you know, that has affected, you know, my, my academic life uh, was, uh, was hindered by, yeah. by the fact that to me, uh, elegance was, in, should have been in everything. And sometimes it just came down to putting in the hours. That's so good. I, hearing you say that is is so good, even from the academic side, because I've had so many parents over the years asking, so what is the solution? It seems like if they sit down and read these primary sources, it's going to take a long time for them to, to you know, trudge through Thucydides, you know, right. and the answer is, right. Trudge through Thucydides. <laughs> yes. Trudge through it. <laughs> sit down, uh, carve out a couple of hours and and sit down there and read and and work through it. Or those math problems, you know, they, there seems to be these difficult math problems in each one. How do we, you know, what what is the angle that we get around it? Yes. Yeah, so well, I think homeschoolers, uh, I mean, you know, we, <laughs> the, whole re- the whole reason we're homeschoolers is that we, we disagree with the, with the system on principle and we don't like the system. And so we have found a way around. Ah, yeah. We are people who find a way around (laughs) (laughs) and, and sometimes the best way is through. It's not just that there's, you know, the only solution through sometimes that's the case, but sometimes the best way to, to, to get the thing is to go through the whole process. Right. And and I think that comes uh, in a little bit with, you know, trusting teachers. Sure. Right. You know, like, uh, you know, the, the teachers have chosen to do things this way. I was actually having a conversation with my son uh, about that in a class that he took recently. Um, you, you know, he honestly, like it's, you, you have to put yourself, if you've decided to take a class from a teacher, you have to put yourself in, in that teacher's hands and, yes. you know, and experience the journey that, that he's asked you to go on. Right. And after it's all over, and if you've done it right, and then you want to say, well, I could have done it better. <laughs> then that's fine. Yeah. You right, know? Right. Um, but, uh, that's, you know, you have to, you have to go through it. And so as, as homeschoolers, though, I think that off very often, you know, you, you, one of the ways this manifests itself is in homeschooling moms always looking for a different curriculum, right. you know? And so this is the, the biggest piece of, of advice I give to random homeschoolers who approach me with questions. Um, and this is actually something my mom who homeschooled me told my wife. And when my wife told me what a big deal it was for her to understand this, I started telling other people, um, there's this, there's this idea. And I think in a lot of homeschooling circles or, you know, oh, third grade was hard. It must be the curriculum. Mm. Let's switch. Oh, fourth grade was hard. It must be the curriculum. Let's switch. There's just a lot of curriculum bouncing. And sometimes there is a better curriculum out there. But there's value to just sticking and seeing it through. Like, right. let's finish elementary school with this. Um, you know, the, there's disruption. You know, every year what you're guaranteeing when you do that is that things will be disrupted and new. Right. Right. Well, what I'm, what I'm hearing you say, you know, talking through each of these different examples is that sometimes it is just the hard work of, of pressing through something and, and maybe there's not, I mean, maybe there's an alternative and maybe there, yeah. there could be something if we take it. But maybe third grade is hard. Yeah. Maybe third grade just is hard. Maybe for one student, math is more difficult and it's going to take a little bit more time for them to trudge through it. Or maybe, you know, the reading or whatever yeah. it might be. And I think even with our own kids, you know, we love our kids, 
And so, you know, it's, it, it, it can be, you know, and of course it, it affects us to see them, see them struggle, but let's be honest. They often don't struggle enough. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, part of the reason you're struggling is that you never buckled down. Right. And that's continuing. My, my, my middle daughter, uh, often when she was in elementary, uh, the curriculum that we used, uh, were those, uh, at, at this stage were the paces, the packets of, oh, academic, yeah. yeah, uh, was ACE, I think. So we used that for a little while and she hated, um, I, I think it was the math that she hated to do, but my wife would have her sit there and, you know, when you're finished, you know, you get whatever reward, to, you know, each of the little stage there and it would take her all day. Yeah. And she wouldn't let her, That's you know, agonizing. Yes. And she's like, would you, you know, just, but once she started, she could knock it out just quickly, but something in her, her mind was, this looks really intimidating and I don't really want to do it. But as soon as she did it, you know, it was work, yes. but she worked her way through it. Well, and that goes back to some of the stuff I guess I was saying a little earlier, which is, you know, it's, it's hard to learn to just start working. Yeah. But once you're in it, yep. you know, even if it's not something that you're, you're gifted for that you really want to do, um, and that, you know, that's what a lot of what being a grown up is too, right? right? <laughs> like, I don't really want to do this, but I need to put bread on the table. I, it, it has to be done. So we're, we're going to dig in and I don't really know what the solution is yet, uh, but we'll find one and, and we're yeah. going to take responsibility. And that, you know, homeschooling has such potential to develop that aspect of things, right? right? Um, to, to develop the combination of, of, of work ethic and creativity. What, you know, what you don't want to do is to be raising the sort of child who foists, mm. right? You know, and we, we all know those people at our jobs, right? Right. The people who foist off responsibilities and, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they're pushing deadlines and they're asking other people to do their work for them. You know, I know I just said I work through people, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, you, you, you don't want to be raising a, a foister. And, and if, if you're raising your child in such a way that they get to put off work, mm-hmm then that's what's going to happen when, when they hit the real world, they're going right. to be trying to put off work. I, I w- it's funny that you said, you know, that when they hit the real world, this is how it's going to go. Um, I was just reading, um, I forget what I was just reading. Um, I think it, it might've been Dreyer's book on uh, live not by lies where he was talking about in the nineties, this attitude of uh, safe spaces started coming up mm-hmm. and, and, and he said, you know, the attitude among the academics and, and among populace was, um, well, when they get out in the real world, you know, this is going to be a big surprise to them. And they realize, no, what they did is they actually they took went it out, with them. They took it with them into the real world. <laughs> and so we now we see the, you know, we see the uh, effects of that. That's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that, that, you know, a, a, a child with, uh, with a poor work ethic, um, you know, becoming an adult with a work ethic, that the real world is going to be a shock, right? That's what right. the parents and, and authority figures always threaten. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you're like this now, you know, you know just wait until you got to the real world. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, because we all know those people at, at work. Right. Right. They, they do fine. They, they make it <laughs> right. by not doing what they're <laughs> exactly. <doing. laughs> but, but that's bad character. Right. Yeah. Well, so what are some maybe some some I don't know, some ways or what are some tools, some resources that we could talk about? In, in terms of how do we encourage students to take the responsibility to recognize, I mean, and I think the first one would be to recognize 
the first step in this is to recognize nobody's coming, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that there isn't help available, but no one's going to do it for you. You have to own that. And I think the very, it's a mental step to say, this is mine. This is my responsibility. And if no one else, you know, if I don't do it, nobody else can for me. And if they do it, I still don't get the education that I was supposed to be getting. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, that that's actually a, a, a pretty convoluted question for for the old homeschooling family you know uh i think that's difficult for for homeschoolers but uh you know i think the the first resource is just straight up the parents Mm -hmm. right and and the the parents getting on board with this idea uh because you know often parents aren't often you know they're looking for solutions and something else now maybe the curriculum maybe their online class at kepler right or or whatever you know their co-op um and and so the, the parents need to be on board with, with the fact that their, their child needs to embrace their education. And that's an easy thing to shirk that doesn't seem like you're shirking. And, and here's what I mean by that. It's sometimes it's easier just to do it yourself or just to take the responsibility back on yourself yeah. than to walk through and, and, and make them own that responsibility. Or even I think one of the ways it, it gets ignored or, or shirked is, uh, is the kids doing the worksheets, mm. right? I mean, everything's filled out, right? right. But um, has the student embraced their education as their own, right? Yeah, and so yeah. there actually is a philosophical, rhetorical moment, and then lifestyle that that needs that needs to be built up. Small behaviors uh, that that need to be taught and and, and reinforced, um, you know. And so it, it's so then you know, not only the parents need to embrace it for themselves, they then need to communicate that to their child. And I think one of the important things, and I know you, you want to talk about, about resources, but, and I'm going off on philosophy, but um, I think one of the important things, and this is something that you know, jives with a lot of what we've been saying on this podcast, is that uh, parents need to not set their own uh, necessarily like, agenda or goal or shape for what they want out of the, out of the child's education. Mm-hmm. To a certain, of course, they, they, they do need to have they, what they need to do, this is what I've been trying to what I was trying to say. They need to be adaptable to the child. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, being aware that although you absolutely love reading original texts in Latin, um, this particular child of yours, uh, we're just going to get them through Latin. Um, and that's all yeah. right. We're, but we're going to work on other things. We're going to focus on other things. That's great. We, you know, we want to be adaptable like that and that will help the student, you know, be the be one who embraces their education but we also it's a it's just a diff, it's a tight wire act because we don't want to indulge the vices right I, I wasn't a good student either in school or as a homeschooler i wasn't a good student and um but this is a this is a funny story but and before you 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 mentioned this um yeah First of all, you said, you know, talking about resources and you went to philosophy. Well, I think good philosophy is the number one primary resource, right? Yes. You know, we, we have to start with the right kind of philosophy. And so the parent needs to embrace that, you know, <coughs> excuse me, uh, need to be able to, um, you know, direct that to the child. Um, partly, too, um, I would just add to that is helping them learn that they have to finish what they start. So you oh, talked about that, yeah. that tension between, you know, some children are going to have a, you know, proclivity to one thing and, and another to a different thing. I think that's really intelligent. That's really, that's very important for us to do, but we tend to want to box our kids all into one package. Yes. Right? So we need to know that. So we write philosophy there, write philosophy and understanding each individual child. And I think you can help them then finish what they start especially if you're leaning into those areas where they are most, I, I'm, 
you know, I'm not really advocating for this unschooling or, or uh, you know, purely Charlotte Mason sort of approach, although I think there's value there. But I think there's value in recognizing where the child is most interested and really leaning into that yes. and rewarding them with that where they can embrace and say, now I can finish what I started. You know, and once you hit seventh through 12th grade, I mean, you know, kids want that. Mm-hmm. And and they want the conversations where you say, okay, well, we, we you know, you've done, you've done You've worked hard at Latin, so now we have enough of a sample to say, maybe we shouldn't focus that much on Latin. Right. What should we be focusing on? And it's a conversation with your child, mm. right? And, and you, they're not making the decisions for you, right? But you want, you want to know what they think. You want their input. And, yeah, and they, they want to be heard. Right. And when a kid is 16... It, it's important that those conversations be happening. Yeah, I think that's super important. Well, I found sort of as as, as a side, you you mentioned, uh, and we, we kind of went in a different direction there for a second, but you mentioned not being a really good student. And I always found this so, <laughs> I, I found this so hilarious uh, because I was, and I was in public school, all right, and I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So mm-hmm. when I wasn't a good student, um, I didn't go to class. Um, I never took homework home a single day in since I went to ninth grade, not one time. And look at us now and, <laughs> with well, an education podcast. <laughs> you guys should definitely listen to us and trust uh, us. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a terrible student, um, and but I went to public school and I graduated with honors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and you look at that and my wife was one of those where she worked hard for a B. I mean, she mm. would study, she would put in all the time. Hey, do you want to come over and study? We were dating. High. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want <laughs> and you know, and, and so, you know, it, it would, it would just infuriate her because, um, I got honors, you know, grad, because I, most of the time I could just pass the test yes. and, and went on in public school, obviously had no accountability, but you, on the other hand, you were a bad student who volunteered at museums and read books <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and were pursuing an education maybe, you know, in a different way. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I guess so. But you know, there is oh, homeschooling can, can have its, its pitfalls and, uh, and indulge, uh, certain sins and vices. And, uh, you know, I think that this is something that a lot of parents listening, it'll actually resonate with them. Um, I can say, although I was volunteering at, at museums uh, and working at bookstores that uh, my parents lost control of me in high school. Mm. Um, they lost control of my, of my education. Um, you know, they weren't freaking out cause I wasn't in a gang. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I didn't do the work I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, th- I think that a lot of parents and particularly the mothers of boys, mm-hmm. um, can, can have this, this struggle, but you know, I had, you know, the schools I had been to the private schools in Brazil, you know, they hadn't, you know, addressed, fixed this in me. And then my parents weren't able to fix it in me. And that's because Scott nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. Yeah, you, <laughs> this is me and Jesus. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean that, that's it. You know, I, I had uh, this sin pattern that I was able to get away with. And, you know, we we're both, you know, if people are, are listening, they're both like, okay, well, Scott and Joffrey are two smart guys who could not do homework and still get A's in the tests. Right. Uh, and you know, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's true. When I got to college, all of that kind of bit me in the butt. Yeah. Right. right? Um, and, and, and I have, I have, my entire life, I've had to deal with the repercussions of how I handled college. Well, right? after I got married, after I learned how to work, yeah, you know, after I had kids, I've, I know that 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 has flowed downstream for me for the rest of my life. 
And uh, it needn't have. And I don't want it for anyone else's kids either. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned how that bit you. Um, I, I went into the military right out of high school. And I went into a field, electronic field, very intricate field uh, for countermeasures on B-52 bombers. And, and so very, very intricate, had to memorize all sorts of diagrams and, and, and schematics and, and study. I mean, seriously, two and three page, you know, or, or you know, two and three inch thick pages of mm. diagrams and schematics and things that you had to study and know. And the first time that it ever hit me, because I was used to doing it, I, I just didn't do anything, is that. You know, we had an exam that I didn't do any of the homework for. I didn't do any of the studying. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I actually have to trace out this diagram. Like, in this exam, like, I actually I have, have to, to work. I have to actually do the kind of work. <laughs> like, like, this is for real. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, was, it was a shocker to me that it wasn't just like, you know, I kind of just, you know, bluffed my way through it. I actually had to perform, which that immediately changed the way I begin to study because yeah. now all of a sudden this was serious. So for, for me, it actually wasn't a, wasn't a shock, but so I had, uh, I, I guess I could say I had three, but you know, two or three college careers, but the, my first college career, um, it, it took me more than two years to funk out. Ah. And, uh, and I, and I never went to class. It took me more than two years to funk out. Cause I was doing the thing, you know, the thing I was always doing where I'd go and take tests and, and I wasn't the only one. I mean, it's but these public universities that just indulge that sort of thing. Like, you know, Kimberly made jokes about the, the kind of behavior I, my wife is Kimberly, that I was, uh, I was indulging in where you just sit down next to some girl, always a girl on test day <laughs> right. and be like, okay, so what's this on again? Right. <laughs> but you know, the, the reason I'm, I'm telling this story is that, you know, it, it was, it was gradual, but it still got me. Mm-hmm. And, um, this is totally on the side, but. I had, I had registered for the first time in my life, I had told an agency that I was Hispanic. So to the University of Florida, I was a Hispanic student. They called me into like the special office and gave me like an extra semester or two. I don't remember what it was, but I didn't flunk out when I should have. Oh, because because of your your status. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the lesson there is, but I've never again told, like registered, filled in the Hispanic dot uh, in the, in the surveys because that was so embarrassing. Oh, you know, yes. like, I mean, like I still, you know, it's like, I, I, sh- I should be out of here. You, you got the participation trophy, so to speak. Yeah. 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 But like, uh, like, like way at the bottom of it too, right. you know, like, <laughs> like, can't I just flunk out like yeah. all the Anglos? <laughs> no, no, you can stay and still be terrible anyway. Well, <laughs> so, I think, I think one of the lessons here, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, being a little personal here in our own, our own background for me, the big takeaway, and it's something that I've told all of my kids along the way is that you need to think about your 25 and 30 year old self. Yes. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think about my even 21 year old self. So when I went from, you know, from high school in a public school where there was no demands at all and I could pass with honors, you know, without ever doing the homework, I went right into the military where you flunk this test the second time and you're gone out of this career field. Yeah. Right. You know, and so, you know, like, whoa, all of a sudden <laughs> this has real life consequences, you know, if I'm just going to be messing around. And, you know, we, we've, one of the things we've been talking about is, is actually learning how to work. Yep. Right. And, and with the fact that we had to learn how to work, uh, at least academically, uh, as adults, it, you know, was, was bad for us. Like yep. we, we should have already known. And so, you know, so students listening, you know, you, you, you need to embrace your education. You want to embrace your education, be thinking about, about your future. And part of that is having opinions. Yep. But more than that, 
It's being honest with yourself. Right. Are you working hard? Yep. Because man, that's not, that's not something that, that humans want to do. And as you know, when you're a teenager, this is the moment to learn how to work. Go get a job at McDonald's and go get some A's in your humanities classes. There you go. (laughs) Well, and it's, yeah, it's, it's putting in the effort that you think you might be able to get away with. And and really you're cheating yourself when you do that. That's right. And and it's not just even in that class, even if you could get an A and walk away without doing it, you're, you're building into yourself a kind of viciousness, right? Yes. You know, Aristotle talked about the repetition of a particular characteristic or behavior becomes part of your character. Yeah, you know, and so you're building something into your life that is going to be, you know, it's a sin that's going to, you know, catch up with you eventually. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's right. So, so we're not, bo- we're not checking boxes. We're we're all engaged with our education. The student who's listening is engaged with our education and taking responsibility for their work. Absolutely. So, well, folks, thank you for listening in today, and and I hope that some of the young people will, you know. Uh, you know, give it a listen and, and realize that no one's coming. This is on you. Yeah. And before we say goodbye, just uh, keep your eyes open for Scott and I writing our memoirs soon. <laughs> <laughs> Where we are. We're not going to keep telling personal stories through all these episodes, but hopefully you guys enjoyed getting to know us a little bit. Fantastic. See y'all. So long, everybody.